This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, week nine in the NFL, a week where I'm going to tell you, man, I got beat up with the gambling picks. Oh, and six. I think if memory serves me correctly, it's only the second time we've had a winless weekend in the four years that we've been giving out the picks. I mean, we're still over 500, barely, but weird, weird picks or results with those picks because the Washington game should have gone over. You're at 37 needing essentially a field goal to make it 2020, which almost guarantees the over or any type of touchdown. And that would have won. All right. That's the first one. The one that really, you know, hurt. Then you have the Cowboys on the precipice of actually winning the game outright, getting the three points. At worst, you could have gotten a push if Prescott doesn't step out of bounds. That becomes an issue. Carolina does what I expect them to do defensively against Indianapolis. And they give them two offensive touchdowns on two pick six. And then the Buffalo-Cincinnati game, 21 points in about the first eight or nine minutes of the game. And the game stays under. I mean, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. So it was rough. It was a rough Sunday because I felt bad for you guys who actually bet our picks religiously. In a couple of minutes, we're going to have NFL researcher, historian, football insider, ESPN, NFL network contributor, my guy Lloyd Vance, who covers a lot of Eagle stuff, jumping on to go around the league. And we're going to discuss, obviously, at the end of the show, we'll, we'll go over some of the games for week 10. But I wanted to have Lloyd on to discuss where the Eagles stand now after beating the Cowboys. Because I don't believe the Eagles have fired on all cylinders this year. But I do want to touch on a couple of teams with him as we're at the halfway mark of the NFL season. But before we bring Lloyd on, Epic Car Service. Epic Car Service is recognized as the number one car service in New York City by medical transportation standards. Located in the Bronx, New York, Epic will make your commute a safe and comfortable experience. Call Epic at 718-401-3742 or 844-666-6278. Verona Wine Cellars. Located on 360 Bloomfield Avenue in Verona, Provides top-of-the-line alcohol, especially wines, for any occasion and any price range. Stop in and tell my guy, R. Pete Patel, that Sergio Rodriguez sent you. Verona Wine Cellars in beautiful Verona, New Jersey. And joining me right now, one of the best guys in this industry. One of the guys that has always 
taking my phone call, when I want to educate myself on certain things, because on top of the guy being a phenomenal writer, football insider, which we obviously know, the guy's a historian of the game. My good friend, Lloyd Vance. What's up, Lloyd? Uh, doing great, Sergio. Thanks for having me back on. Who gives you a better intro than me? I know you don't get that stuff when you're on ESPN. <laughs> when you're on the NFL, they don't treat you like I treat you. Now nah, you you give me my props though, and I appreciate it. And, and you know, it, I love talking a game with you. It's always fun. Well, you're one of the guys that's a pioneer in this, so you deserve everything positive that comes to you all the time. Thank you. So. Where do we get started here? Look, you know what? Let's start with the elephant in the room here. For 59 and a half minutes, Dak Prescott plays a really solid game. Really solid game. And then we get to the point where I kept on telling people that are texting me, my wife, we're watching a game. I'm like, it's not going to happen. Relax. It's not going to happen. Right? You sit there as a Cowboy fan. Something's going to go wrong. Why? Because I've watched this movie before. Not because I'm a negative Cowboy fan. I'm not. I'm not one of these guys that thinks that everything is, you know, going to always be terrible. I believe that everything's going to be bad with this quarterback because he has proven to me that he's empty calorie Dak. And it's not even about the interceptions because last year was the only year he's really had a high turnover season. It's about, it's about this. You go from your 10 to their, essentially, their seven-yard line in less than 30 seconds. You get off a dead ball, Lloyd, off a dead ball, off a false start, on the Eagles, you take a delay a game and lose those same five yards. And then on top of that, the only thing you cannot do is take a sack in that situation. What do you think he does? He takes a sack. And so, yeah, and, then yeah. and, and so, I mean, am I wrong in my thinking? I, I don't even care if he throws an interception in that situation. That's part of the game. But what happened there, the mental aspect, the decision-making, I just expect him to always be wrong. You know, it, it's, uh, Dak is he, he's wildly inconsistent, Sergio, I'll put it that way. He, he's a guy that, you know, when you at the end of the game, you look at the, his numbers, you know, 29 to 44, 374 yards, three TDs and no interceptions, and you're like, wow, that's a pretty strong performance. But as you said, in key moments of the game, uh, he's coming up short, and, and this was the biggest game of this past week. And uh, it was all on the line because, let's face it, at this point, the Eagles with a two-and-a-half game lead in division, they're probably going to win this division as we move forward. And uh, Eagles win 28-23, but – Sloppy performance from both teams, in my opinion. Now, both of them had 10 penalties in this game. And it did come down to a few key plays and a few key situations, particularly uh, the young Dallas tight end 
tackled right at the half-inch line. He falls in the end zone, and they go to replay. And you see that Reed Blankenship got him on the ground right before he gets all over the line. That was a fourth down play, so that's a turnover on downs. And then, Sergio, probably the biggest play of the game was that two-point conversion where Brandon Graham is chasing Dak Prescott and inexplicably he steps out of bounds. He does the dive. They give him the two, review it, take it away. Obviously, that would have changed the complexion of the game. You're talking about that sequence at the end because they would have had the two points and then they could have kicked the field goal, tie the game going to overtime. But um, exciting game. But in the end, yes, Dallas could not get it done. Uh, the Eagles fans, I can tell you, I, I just had an Eagles guy on my last show. Um, they were saying how the stadium was just, they were all scared. They were on pins and needles because they thought they were going to lose this game. And you see Dallas, who had beaten the Eagles four of the last five times. They had come up short this time. But, you know, that December 10th game, there still may have something to say in terms of this division. You know what play was big in this game? In the first half, the Cowboys had a little momentum. There was a drop by um, by Gallup. Yes, I do kind of remember that because he didn't get many targets, and, and that was a key. Big drop out of the middle. It was going to be a first down. down. Yeah, yep. It was going to be a big first down. And then, you know, it, when, when, when those things when those things happen, you know, you, 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 those drives end in those situations, in those scenarios. It just, it, it, they're killers. But yeah, the two point conversion was huge. Yep. But, but even go, go, go back before that at 28 17, you got the play of the game. At that point, we thought it was going to be the play of the game on fourth down. Yeah. He yep. throws the ball to his number four receiver. Like, I, like, like I don't. I just don't understand. Like those are things that just, you know, you don't go to Cooks. Ferguson was having a monster game. You have an elite level wide receiver in Lamb. Pollard is a monster out the backfield. If you could throw him the ball, you throw the you throw a deep out comeback to your fourth wide receiver. Like I, you know, and and those are the things that are always going to leave me questioning Prescott as the guy that could get it done. Look, I think that with the right circumstance, the defense doing what they have to do, and by the way, the Cowboys, I'm even shocked that they were even competitive on grass because to me they are a totally different team on turf than on grass. I will tell you what I saw the other day tells me the Cowboys are 10 points better than the Eagles on turf. Remember I told you that. On turf. And, the problem is they're I, not going to play. I agree with you that they're a better team when they're playing at home in the Jerry Dome. And, and um, you know, they're 3-0 and at, at home. And, and they do play uh, on the road differently. And, and I do kind of agree with you that, yeah, that the surface is definitely factor into things. And, and you called out a good point there. I, I want to jump back to the third down. Dallas was 6 of 15 on third downs and three of five on fourth down. So you saw in these key situations of the game, third down, fourth down, that they were not moving the chains. And, and Dak is uh, – he does need to lean on a guy. You know, every every quarterback has his guy. And, and maybe C.D. Lamb, he got 16 targets, but maybe he should have had 20. You know what I mean? Like, uh, in those key big spots, you've got to go with your, 
your first round draft pick, your stud receiver. Uh, we've seen T.D. Lamb really grow over the last season or so, and, and uh, why not let him make a play? And, and I was surprised uh, that play that you talked about late in the fourth, and then uh, that game-ending sequence when, when he goes to, I think he went to Jalen Tolbert um, instead of C.D. Lamb, he got into, or on that fourth down play at the goal line that was overturned, he goes to, a, you know, the, what was he against, the third-string tight end? Correct. So Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, just, I, I just don't get it. And let me tell you something, yeah. because you brought up a great point. When you talk about the third down scenarios, if you go back to Dak's rookie year, and this is a perfect example of how he's still the same player that he was when he came in. To me, when he was there his rookie year, he was a good quarterback. That's what he is now. If you remember, part of the reason why, because obviously, actually at that time, we were doing some sports journey stuff. Part of the reason why I wanted Tony Romo to come back and take over was the fact that if you looked at the numbers that year, a lot of them were masked because Dallas was so good record-wise. 13-3, and 14-2, or whatever it was. But Prescott was the worst third-down quarterback in the league. In, they were just hitting so many home runs that and and running the ball so much with Elliott that a lot of the third down things never came back to bite them in the butt. But he's still that same guy that can't convert. Again, I'll give him a pass on the Gallup one, whatever. Those things are going to happen. You're going to have a drop pass here and there. It is what it is. But for whatever reason, seven, eight years later, you're still putting up the same weak numbers with the same important stat, and that's the third down stat. He's always one of the lowest-rated quarterbacks on third down. Yeah, and, and and Sergio, when when I look at Dak, you know, he's always going to have the numbers, and, and, and people are always going to say, oh, you know, on paper, he looks like, like a, a winner. But he doesn't seem to have the grit or the, you know, the wherewithal to finish in terms of, making this a championship-level team. There's just always something amiss with, with these Dallas teams with him. And it's almost like what you were saying with Tony Romo. You know, it's very similar uh, when you look back on his career, a guy that put up big stats and just couldn't get it done in key situations. Obviously, everybody's always going to point to that Des Bryant play where they should have won it uh, in Green Bay, but the, the replay was not what it was there for Romo and those Cowboys. But uh, when I look at Dak... He's got to have some signature wins uh, coming down the stretch. Now, I think Dallas will get healthy and start piling up some W's and get back in the race because they have the Giants. They're at Carolina. They have Washington, Seattle, and then they're back with Philly. And, and we'll see, you know, Philly December 10th. And then they're at Buffalo, at Miami, Detroit, which is a huge game. Maybe one of those games he can put something together for people to say, okay, he, he's an MVP type of quarterback, but um, he's always kind of like as a second fiddle type of player. You know, Zeke really carried him in those early years. And when you put too much on his shoulders, he, he just kind of comes up too short. Speak to me about the Eagles now. I felt all year they have not been firing on all cylinders. They have a lot of lapses during these games where the running game has been 
very solid. I thought the Swift move, I thought it was going to be good. It's ended up being really positive for them. They've been throwing the ball well on the outs, outside of the numbers better than they have because obviously Brown's having a phenomenal year. But for whatever reason, to me, I still have not seen, I don't believe Philly is as good as they were last year. Am I wrong? Am I missing something? You watch them a lot closer than anybody else. Am I missing something? No, you're not. And and they're eight and one, but they're a fortunate eight and one. I'll put it that way. And and this is not the same team as they were last year. Last year, you know, the defense had a little bit more teeth. They had seventy sacks, and and they were better in coverage. We we talked about their lapses. This earlier in this Dallas game, particularly over the middle, they have a lot of problems in terms of their coverage. Ferguson was eating in this one. He, he had uh, 67 yards and uh, about 10 targets in this game and a touchdown. So, and they can't cover tight ends. And, and you see a lot of those crossing patterns. And, and um, I just don't see it getting any better in terms of these linebackers and their coverage. They, they have Morrow. They have Cunningham there. Nicobe Dean, it's been kind of a disappointment. He's injured again. Uh, they bring Byard over into safety position, and, and we'll see what he has left in the tank, but he has a lot to learn. Blankenship is, is a guy that that's, he's better as a special teamer, in my opinion. He's not like a frontline starting safety. And, and, and Bradbury and Slay are not covering the way they were. So the last year's Eagles team always seemed to get the timely turnover. This year's team, is negative in terms of turnovers. They're, they're not getting the ball as often they are. Not a lot of interceptions. And I do agree with you that, you know, something is a miss. They're 8-1 now. So it, you can only beat the teams that are on your schedule. Um, but like I said earlier, this, this fans were on pins and needles at the end of this Dallas game. It looked like a game they were going to lose. And you saw the stinger that they threw up against the Jets. They are capable of losing to some of these bad teams. Now, we're going to see in this Eagles team, uh, after this bye, they have a really tough stretch. They're at Kansas City. They have Buffalo. Then they have San Francisco in an NFC Championship game rematch, and then at Dallas. And those games are really going to tell us the picture of this Eagles team. Um, they also have tried to get Swift more carries. He had 18 rushes for 43 yards. Uh, but the big thing is that they can't have Jalen Hurts be their leading rusher and him take too many hits. He, that knee is bothering him. Um, he had a tough, gritty performance where he had two touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown, but I think they lean on him way too much. So, yeah, a lot of question marks with this Eagles team, and, and a lot of people say to me, are, are they really the best team in the NFL? Um, you know, I, I'll say they're up there in the top five, but I don't know if they're the best team. And, and they, they turn the they, ball over too much to be up there. And here's the thing: you're going that that averages out over the season, over the first nine games, a high amount of interceptions and and handling the ball. Even in this game, they tried to give it away twice. I think they three, had three, three fumbles, fumbles and recovered and them all. Right? They fell on all of them. I mean, got very fortunate. A hundred percent. To me, that stuff is evens out over seventeen games. And you, you're, it's gonna bite you somewhere. It's got to catch up to you. So I, yeah, I just, I just see that. Look, take me around the league here. Sure. Um, probably last year, the most fraudulent team in football was the Giants. We spoke about how they made the playoffs. They beat no one with a winning record. The only team that they actually beat with a winning record was another fraudulent team, 
was Minnesota, right? In the playoffs. Let me tell you something. The Dolphins are trending that way. Now, the difference between the Dolphins right now and let's say a Giants or Minnesota of last year is that the Dolphins actually have legitimate playmakers on offense. But every time they play a team with a winning record, the first two times they got spanked on the scoreboard. You could tell me uh, there was a one-score game. That Listen, you never felt they were going to win those games. And this game, yeah. they were down 21 nothing. Okay? Now, the last time they beat a team with a winning record was September of 22. They're going to win their games because they're going to play enough bad teams. But where do you see the Dolphins? Yeah, now they... This is an explosive team, as you said, with, with some big-time playmakers, Mostert and Hill and, and Waddle. You know, I could go on and on. And Tua's getting the ball out of his hands, and, and they're comparing them to the greatest show on turf, and they may score 600 points in the season with the NFL record. But uh, they, they have a couple things I see with this team. Their offensive line is extremely beat up. They've just got Teron Armstead back, and, and – you know, they lose Jones to a knee injury. So that offensive line's in flux. And then Tua, as we know, if he has to play from behind or or teams are getting pressure on him, he's just not the same quarterback. That, the Miami wants to get that big lead. They want to run up the score like a pinball machine. And, and like we always say, you can't pick who you're going to play. They're beating up one of these really bad teams. Denver, as we know, they hung 70 on them. They beat Carolina. Um, but – Coming out of their bye, they have the Raiders, and then they're at the Jets, at Washington, Tennessee. So, you know, their schedule is pretty favorable. Now, they do play the Ravens in Week 17, so that, and, and then Buffalo in Week 18. We'll see if it comes down to that. I still think Miami's going to win their division. But as you said, as we move to the playoffs, and, and if they have to go on the road, I just don't see them winning a playoff game other than it's that first-round wild-card game at home. Where do you stand on the Chiefs? They're 7-2. and two. I thought they would be under the 11.5 wins that Vegas put out there. They've gotten fortunate in a couple of games. I don't think they're that good either, particularly because I think they're manageable, controllable offensively because they don't have any explosion at the receiver position. And as good as Kelsey is, he's still a tight end, right? It's not He's not taking the top off the field. Give me something on the Chiefs. Yeah, when I look at the Chiefs, it, this is another team. It, everybody just wants to pencil them automatically into the AFC Championship game, but they, they have to earn it. And, and yes, they beat Jacksonville in that second game of the season, but Jacksonville's the type of team, okay, that they may have some trouble with because, as you were saying, they lean way too much on Travis Kelsey and, and Mahomes making plays to each other. And no one else is really stepping up on that offense. The, the receivers are nondescript. You know, guys like Sky Moore, McCall Hardman, dropping passes all over the place. They're trying to get Rice involved. He's made some plays for them. Uh, but no one that Patrick Mahomes can really trust. And the, the funny thing is Steve Spagnuolo has built a great defense for Kansas City. A lot of no-name guys, but they do have Chris Jones and, and Bolton, the linebacker, have made some nice plays and, and uh, that defense has done a nice job in terms of shutting down other teams, and it's the offense that they're kind of carrying. So uh, when I see the Chiefs, um, big game against the Eagles this week, we'll see how they do. They're obviously going to win their division. They have, they have some upcoming games against the Raiders and, and, and Green Bay in that uh, regard. But 
the big game is probably on week 17 they faced Cincinnati. And, and that's going to be a fun game in Arrowhead because we know Joe Burrow has no fear going in there. So the Chiefs are going to be pretty high, but I'm not ready to say they're the number one seed just yet. You know, the Ravens have a chance to be the number one seed. And I'll be honest with you. To me, they are another bunch of frauds. For for about five years, since Lamar Jackson's been there, they've been fraudulent. They do a lot of a lot of the winning games in the regular season, but you know if they're down ten, nothing, game's over. I still cannot believe. Now they're going to win eleven or twelve games because right now they're seven and two. Even if they go four and four, that's eleven wins. If they go five and three, they could they have a chance to be the one seed. Money on the table right now. Cincinnati travels to Baltimore. Playoff game. You really believe Joe Burrow's not winning that game? Sergio, yeah, I, I you know, if, if it's the Chiefs or the Bengals against the Ravens if for the AFC Championship game, I will have to take one of those latter two teams. That it, 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 it's unfortunate that it's, it's playoffs or busts for the Baltimore Ravens, but they're having a tremendous rebirth in regular season here. You know, last week they they just dominated the Seahawks. I thought the Seahawks would come in there and give them a game, but they, they rushed for 298 yards and three touchdowns on 27 carries. And, and uh, they're 3-0 against teams winning winning record now. They're another one, uh, as you said, almost like front runners. They want to get a nice lead and then let that defense pin their ears back. Their defense is playing extremely well, getting pressure on a quarterback. They've even re- had the rebirth of Damian Clowney. He's playing well for them. And Kyle Van Noy had two sacks last week and big strip sack. And, and they want to control the clock and then have that defense out there. So, you know, Baltimore's a dangerous team right now, but they have a lot to prove. And, and let's not forget the AFC North is extremely competitive. All three of those, all four of those teams would probably be close to making the playoffs at this time. So, you know, the, the lowest team in AFC North has a five and three record. Speak to me about the Jaguars. They're a team that I felt were going to come in and have a really good year. They're on pace. Ironically, they're doing. We thought that the quarterback was going to be the player that really took him to the next level this year. Now he's not bad. I'm not saying he's done anything wrong. But what actually has helped is the defense has been better. Etienne has been phenomenal. Where do you see that team when you talk about these? Who's going to be the one, the two seed? They might have a lot to say about it because they probably have the weakest schedule of all of them. Yeah, you know, a lot of people want to sleep on on Jack. No, I mean, you can't because they've, you know, let's not forget Doug Peterson's down there. He's Super Bowl winning head coach, and, and he's got Trevor Lawrence, who, who's the number one overall pick a couple years ago, and he really has him buying into his game plan and, and, and situational analysis. And, and, you know, Lawrence is doing a great job protecting the football. So th- this team is currently on a winning streak, and, and you, you see them – just taking care of their business, and they're going to come out of a bye. They have a big game against San Francisco. Uh, they got Tennessee. Um, Ash Houston, who's surprisingly playing really well, that's going to be a fun game to watch. They have Cincinnati, and then they're at Cleveland, Baltimore, and then they finish up the season with, with some easier games. But uh, that stretch that I talk about there, you know, mostly against 
some of the ASC North teams, they're going, they're going to have some games where we really see who these guys are. And I like the way their offensive lines kind of coming together now. They got Cam Robinson back, and then defensively, uh, kind of a no-name group, but they're doing a great job in terms of taking turnovers and, and making game-changing plays. So Jacksonville could be a sneaky uh, number one seed in ASD. Two teams I want to touch on before I just throw some things at you around the league, okay? Sure. The Detroit Lions. When you think about when you think about where they're at right now, they and the fact that there really is no elite level quarterback, in my opinion, I don't believe Jalen Hurts is an elite level quarterback. I'm sorry. He might be an elite level football player, but I don't fear him as a top five play uh, quarterback. I don't. In the NFC, I believe Detroit, with the right situation, I believe they could make a run to the Super Bowl. And and I agree with you. You know, it, one of the guys that do one of my shows with, he, he's picked the Super Bowl of the Bengals versus the Lions. And I kind of laughed at him when we did our first predictions. And But now when you really start seeing his team, the Lions are coming together underneath Dan Campbell. Brad Holmes has done a great job with this roster. He's their general manager. And, and um, you know, Dan Campbell has these guys playing for him. They believe in each other. And this is not your same old Lions. So, so. And Goff's done it before. You know, people forget that Goff's gotten there already. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they had that offensive line was too well on those guys. They are controlling the line of scrimmage. And then that, that rookie running back, Amir Gibbs, oh, he, he's just, his speed is ridiculous. The speed that he's playing at. And now they have him. They're going to get Montgomery back, Amon St. Brown. And then you have Goff, who everybody, has always kind of laughed at and said, oh, he's not a front-line guy. And, and he's doing a great job in terms of driving the football down the field. Aaron, Aaron Glenn has really unleashed that defense as well with Hutchinson and the rest of those guys. So, you know, very dangerous team. And then the schedule for the Lions is very favorable. Um, they have the Chargers, which is this week, Chicago, Green Bay, at, Saint, at the Saints, at the Bears, Denver, at, you, at Minnesota, who we know they're they're good feel good story, but they really don't know what's going on quarterback position. They're at Dallas. That's an interesting game, and then they finish with Minnesota. So they have a lot of winnable games, and if they get their record high enough, and the Eagles, as we were saying, you know they have a tough stretch. The Eagles could lose a, a couple games coming up. The Lions take over that number one spot in the NFC. The one team that four weeks ago. People were telling me we're going to win the Super Bowl and had the MVP was the 49ers. Now, after three straight losses in a bye week and going to have to go play Jacksonville, people are telling me, can they even make the playoff? <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, what has happened in San Francisco? Yeah, you know, it, the, their quarterback, it, it's not as easy as it looks. You know, and, and they've had some key injuries. You know, Debo Samuel and, and some of the guys on the offense, and, um, he's just not the same quarterback. We see that he can't carry the mail like we thought he would. He's a guy that's a system quarterback when everything's in rhythm. Uh, it, it's working very well for him. But when Brock Purdy gets pressure on him, 
uh, he starts making mistakes. And, and we've seen him kind of throw interceptions that were uncharacteristic of him last year. Um, it's going to be interesting with this team. They really build up that defense, though, and, and uh, they're, they're trying to get it going in, in terms of now they brought in Chase Young over there. They got Randy Gregory. Um, they can really get after some people with Fred Warner as well as one of the best linebackers games. So that defense, uh, it's been surprising the way they've allowed teams to move the ball around on them. But that offense has got to get uh, everything clicking. They do have Christian McCaffrey. They're going to come off this bye here. Uh, huge game at Jacksonville that we talked about earlier. Then they have Tampa Bay at Seattle. Big game at Philadelphia. Then Seattle again. Arizona was very bad. They win that one easily. Baltimore is going to be fun uh, after that. And then they're at Washington and they finish with the Rams. So uh, a mix of winnable and, and some games they're going to have to battle in. But I fully expect the Niners to win the NFC West and, and be in the playoffs. And then we know Shanahan. He, he's going to get those guys going for the playoffs. And, and Steve Wilkes is coming there with that defense and kind of short some things up. So it, it, it's going to be fun to watch them. But I thought they were going to be the number one seed and have home field advantage, but I just don't think uh, they're going to catch the Eagles or Detroit uh, for that number one seed and even have to go on the road in the playoffs. All right, I'm going to take you quickly around the league because I know you're a busy man. <laughs> Speak to me about Stroud. He's gotten off to a good start. What, do you th- what are you seeing there? Oh, C.J. Stroud, you know, it, it 14 touchdowns and only one interception to start his career, and he, he's a young guy. Uh, when I watched the combine, everybody was talking about Bryce Young, but but you just saw the ball explode out of his hand in terms of the way he can throw the football down the field. So he's, he's thrown it to Tank Dell and, and all the other weapons they have there, Robert Woods. Um, and he's cool, calm, collective, and he's looking like the number one uh, quarterback right now The young out of all the young guys. And, and last week he threw for an NFL record 470 yards, five touchdowns, which was a franchise record, led his team to a comeback victory. Feel-good story that the Texans are 4-4. And, and I think Stroud is a guy that's going to be around for quite a while. And, and um, it's going to always be interesting. Should Carolina have taken Stroud, but they took Bryce Young, and we'll see how their two careers play out against each other. The Giants – who fumbled this whole situation with the quarterback because they should have let him go to begin with because you knew, you're you paying a guy who you knew at worst was going to... I mean, he's just a marginal quarterback to begin with, and now he's hurt. You had really Tyrod Taylor, adequate backup, but realistically, again, the Giants, when you look at the Giants... Do you even see a light at the end of the tunnel next year, the year after? They look like they're further behind now than they were last year during this process. Yeah, last year, Sergio, that we know they the ball was bouncing the right way for the Giants. You know, it started with week one. And the schedule. They went, they went for it against Tennessee, got it, and then it went forward from there. And, and the schedule definitely didn't help. And this season, it, it's a totally different story. And you talk about the key guy. Uh, Daniel Jones, when when I saw him, you know, last year was like, wow, he's not fumbling the football. He, he looks like a playmaker, and, and they give him the contract, and, and it's like, oh man, now now they're paying him to be a forty million dollar quarterback, which I just don't think he is. And we know that offensive line's always been a mess. They tried to fix it over and over again. 
Jones gets a neck injury, and then that, that leads to Tarot Taylor getting hurt, and he's out. And then Jones comes back, and he has the ACL. So when I look at the Giants this season, there's not a lot of late in it. Some economy, DeVito, we know he's not the answer. There's four young guys out there getting beat up, and he's making it. He had two interceptions last week, and, and he's making a lot of mistakes, and I don't see that changing. Um, it's going to be a long road for this team. And then you start talking about Joe Shane, their general manager, and Brian Dable, their head coach. You know, I think they're secure. And but what they're going to have to probably do is rip this thing down to the studs and start from the beginning. Um, if I was the Giants, you know, Daniel Jones is not probably going to be ready for training camp. They should, if they lose as many games as we think they should, they should probably go in the draft, look at Caleb Williams, look at Drake May, and try to get that young quarterback. I know everybody says Daniel Jones has that contract. Uh, they can get out of There's that contract yep. after next season. All, all the guaranteed money's out after next season. So um, going into year two of that young quarterback, they could move forward. Can the Vikings survive without Cousins at least to make the playoffs? Yes, they can. You know, Dobbs came in here and gave them a spark, and they're another team that's on a winning streak. They, they won four straight games. And, and they have a pretty favorable schedule. We can think about it. They're going to play Chicago, and they're going to play Green Bay. And, and you know, there's enough explosive weapons when they get Jefferson back and Hawkinson that this team can take a step forward. So I could say, yeah, there's seven teams that make the playoffs. I could see the Vikings get one of those last wild card spots. Why is Washington so bad and yet – show you so many flashes. <laughs> I mean, they are they are a ridiculously enigmatic team. Yeah, they're a tough team to be a fan of because they're wildly inconsistent, as you're saying. You know, you remember last year they ended the Eagles' winning streak. They're good enough to do that, but they, they can't get out of their own way. They, they lost this week. Actually, they won. They won 2017 over the uh, Patriots. They should have lost. game. But, yeah, it's a game you're like, man, they're trying to give this game away. And, and you know, you watch Sam Howell, and, and he seems like a good young quarterback. But he's he that guy that you want to put the franchise on. And I think, you know, they probably need a more front-line passer moving forward. And, and you have Joshua Harris that just bought the team. So I think he's going to make some big changes with this team going into next season. Um, obviously, Ron Rivera, uh, a stoic guy, he's done a nice job over the years, cleaning up a lot of Daniel Snyder's messes. Um, but I think it's time for him to go, and, and you, you have him stepping away. And then you wonder what's going to happen with the enemy who's come over. And they The offense has had some flashes, but guys like Terry McLaurin, he doesn't really even have a touchdown in the last, you know, since the beginning of the season. So, you know, something's amiss with this team, and, and they're just going to finish out the string and kind of see what happens from there. But, you know, at four and five, they're still in the mix, and maybe they'll – uh, try to compete for that last playoff spot that I was talking about the Vikings game. Lloyd, you're the best, man. Always, always <laughs> dropping knowledge here. I appreciate you. And if the Cowboy-Eagles game means something towards the end of the year, I'll bring you up again or we'll do our playoff preview and bring you on. All right, man. Yeah, sounds great. Look forward to it. And uh, Maybe I'll get you over on my show. We'll, we'll uh, talk some more. Of course, of course. That was Lloyd Vance, the best in the business. And you've been listening to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other.